Welcome to Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. I'm your host, Luke Seibert. Let's explore more of what it means to live out the gospel by clinging to the Word and to one another. Have you ever found yourself in a situation you've wondered in prayer, God, why have you allowed this? Sometimes we go through trials and they make no sense to us from, from our perspective. We can't understand what, what God is doing and we wonder, God, have you forgotten me? Uh, why, why have you done this? Are you punishing me? Uh, sometimes we, we wonder this. But the Lord will never forsake us. He's never going to forget us. And the Lord, oft, the Lord has purposes for what he allows. He may not cause all the trials that we go through, but he permits them for a purpose. And this is brought out with great clarity as we see the Lord's heart in John chapter 11. Uh, John, it, the gospel according to John, has these great I am statements, and the seven of them. And the seventh is here in chapter 11 with the raising of Lazarus from the dead, where Gorgias says, I am the resurrection and the life. But the part, the, the part of the chapter I, I want to look at is right at the beginning. It's bef- before all that, before that great statement, when, when we first find out that Lazarus was sick. So the first six verses of John chapter 11 says this. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now the progression of that of verses, those last three verses, four, five, and six, are, are really incredible when we stop and consider them. So, well, actually, the last few, few verses. So Martha and Mary they, they send word to Jesus that okay, Lazarus is sick. He's basically on the point of death. And they, they know his miracles. They know who he is. And they know that he has the power to, to heal, to heal Lazarus. And so they're asking him and begging him, Lord, come, come before it's too late. And, and Jesus tells them it's not going to end in death. And so he doesn't come right away. He, he waits. And he ends up waiting um, to come. And it's eventually being four. By the time he comes, Lazarus has been dead four days. And it just seemed like all hope was gone. And like Jesus basically ignored them. But right here in these verses, it says, so Jesus tells them, hey, it's not going to end in death. It's not going to end in death before the glory of God. And it says that he, that he loved them. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And then the very next verse says, so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now the, Greeks, the Greek word is very insightful here. It has the idea of therefore or because. That because, another way it could be said that you could say that because Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he waited two days. He stayed two days longer. And that just causes us to scratch our head. We're like, wait a, wait a minute. If Jesus loved these siblings, these, why didn't he go immediately? Or why didn't he just speak a word as he did with this, this centurion servant? You know, he, he didn't even have to go there. He just spoke a word and the, the, the man's servant was healed. Why couldn't he have done that with Lazarus? But because he loved them, he waited? And... It, from our perspective, a lot of times that, that can cause us to, to really wonder. But Jesus loved them 
because he knew what they were going to have to go through. He knew that suffering, that even that agony that they were going to go through was going to be ultimately for their good and for his glory. That they were, it was going to draw them closer to himself. As we see the story unfold in John chapter 11 and then into chapter 12, we see that exact, that exact thing happen. That even though this seemed to be uh, just a terrible situation, they, they lost their brother. And they waited four days and, and all these funeral the, the funeral arrangements actually laid him in the tomb. And the, the Jews were there comforting them, consoling them. And it just seemed like Jesus had waited too long. But even though they had gone through that, Jesus was at work and was, was producing the greatest good for his glory and for them. That because of what they went through, they were drawn closer to Jesus. Their faith was strengthened. And they had a testimony to be able to share and were able to point others to Jesus as well. And we see this um, it played out here in, uh, in, as I said, in John chapter 11 and chapter chapter 12. Um, if I can just get here to the voice. Yeah, so starting off there with um, with Martha. So Martha seems to be the stronger of the two sisters emotionally. Uh, we see her having more of a conversation um, with the Lord here and deal with her grief. She's still trying to take care of things. Um, you know, she has in other places, you know, she's, she's busy taking care of background arrangements, taking care of things. And so when Jesus actually does come after, after four days, uh, after Lazarus is in the tomb, she goes out to meet him and is like, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. And Jesus tells her that a great statement, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he says, do you believe this? And then in John 11, verse 27, we read, she said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Just an amazing statement of faith in Christ, knowing who he was, that her faith wasn't thrown to the wayside. Her faith wasn't destroyed. It wasn't shattered. She lost her brother in a terrible situation, and but she still knew who Christ was, and she had not forgotten, had not turned from him. And she's able to express that to him, even in the midst of her grief. And Lazarus hadn't risen from the dead at that point. Jesus told her he was going to raise her, but not, Martha didn't seem to really understand what that meant. She thought it he was talk he was talking about the at the last day, but even in the midst of that turmoil, her faith was still strong, and it was that she was able to express that even in the midst of her pain, resting in Christ and being confident in who He was. Then later on in that chapter, Jesus Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and the people began just to marvel at him with what he had done. But it also stirred up the jealousy of the Jews, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and the chief priests. And so they hatched this plan to start to kill Jesus, to find some way to, to capture him. And then we slip into chapter 12, which is six days before the Passover. So approaching Passion Week, and Jesus comes to Bethany. He comes back. He had gone, he had gone away, but he, he came back. And they make this great they make make this dinner for him. Of course, Martha's in the back there serving, taking care of stuff. And Lazarus is right there with Jesus, fellowshipping with him at the table. And then in John chapter 12, verse 3, we read this. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and annoyed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. She just poured herself out in love and even in, in a sense worshipped Christ by pouring out this expensive ointment that she could have maybe used for something else, uh, could have sold maybe. Uh, Judas even insinuates that she should have sold it. Um, 
he wasn't doing that because he was concerned about using the money for to help the poor or anything. He wanted to line his own pockets with it. But she could have done that. She could have sold the money, used it some other way. But she poured it out as an expression of love and I assume gratitude to the Lord. And Jesus defends her. That some of the other disciples were ridiculing her and condemning her for what she had done. and But Jesus, Jesus honors her for what she had done and that she did that to him. Uh, doesn't directly say in their text there because he had raised Lazarus from the dead, but it's we can imagine that she was pre, she was doing this out of a grateful heart and of love. But um, whatever the exact motivation was, we know that Lazarus was raised from the dead, and she expressed this deep love for Jesus in the way that she anointed him uh, with with this ointment. And then uh, Lazarus as well. Uh, we talk his testimony that he was able to have. I mean, that'd be an amazing testimony to say, "Hey, Jesus raised me from the dead," and he he has done that for each of us who believe in him spiritually. But um, sometimes we are drawn more towards the the physical things. But his testimony was a great, incredible testimony, and it actually began to, to turn the heads of the religious leaders. So great was his impact for Christ in telling telling others about him that they begin to uh, turn their attention to him as well. In John chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, it says this, But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many were going away and in believing, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. And that's an incredible statement to say that, 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 that the Jews were not planning to put the disciples to death, but they were planning to put Lazarus to death because his testimony was so great and so many people were flocking to follow Jesus and to believe in him. Now, but believing in this context may not necessarily mean believing for salvation, but believing in the sense that he was some great prophet, he was Messiah. They believed some different things about him, but whatever specifically they believed, they were following him. And the chief priests hated it so much, they were willing to put Lazarus to death also. And we read on as Jesus comes to Jerusalem on the triumphal entry and the people are gathering about him and, and shouting and praising God. One of the reasons they did that, the text says, is because they heard about Lazarus' testimony. And because other people who were there when, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they were also testifying about it. And there's just this great crowds begin to follow Jesus. And the, the, the Pharisees even say in John chapter 12, 19, the world has gone after him. And just an incredible turn of events that there was this, that Jesus took this situation. It was great. It was suffering. Um, it seemed to be a terrible situation that, that he allowed. He didn't cause it. He didn't cause Lazarus to die. He permitted Lazarus to die to allow that situation to happen, to allow that family to go through the darkness. But yet when he brought them out on the other side, they were strengthened in their faith. They were deepened in their love for him. And, and they had this testimony to be able to tell others that made such an amazing impact for for the kingdom and for for the and to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this helps provide a framework for us when we go through our trials to recognize that when we go through dark and difficult days, it doesn't mean that God has forgotten us. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love us. Actually, Jesus, because of Jesus' love is why the, the Jesus' love for these three siblings was the reason he permitted this trial to happen. Because he knew it would bring him the most glory and would also be the best for them as well. And Jesus isn't using us as pawns in his own game. Because what is best for us is best for his glory and vice versa. What most glorifies him 
is for our, our good as well. And uh, he, he truly does care for us and want to and want to do what is best for his children. And uh, this is something that we, we can learn from that, that story there. But we don't just learn about trials from John 11 and 12. And not all the trials that we go through are going to have miraculous ends to them. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead. And we uh, it's an amazing testimony as we saw. But the Lord can still give us uh, incredible testimonies, still give his people great testimonies when he doesn't miraculously heal, when he doesn't remove that difficulty, that he walks with us through that. And as he strengthens his people and leads them through that, they still have a testimony and are able to point people to Christ and to, to magnify him. A few, a few verses to, to look at about this. Uh, some insightful... Uh, I'll get down here. Yeah, so Acts 16, verses 6 through 8. So in this instance, Paul and Silas are on their second missionary journey. They're traveling and have a plan of what they're going to do, but the Lord had a different plan for them. So beginning, John, excuse me, Acts 16, beginning in verse 6. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel in Asia. And after they came to Amicia, they were trying to, to, uh, trying to go into Bithynia, and the spirit of Jesus did not permit, did not permit them. And, and passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. This is those three verses there are somewhat surprising. You know, we think, okay, Paul had this idea of going to preach the gospel to these people. Uh, why wouldn't God bless that? Well, God did, that was not part of God's plan was for Paul to minister there. He had a plan for Paul to go somewhere else and eventually led him and Silas to Philippi and begin to, and started the church there. And these verses teach us that sometimes we can have an idea of what would be good and, and seem to bring glory to Christ from our perspective. And we would think God would have every, every reason to bless this, but it may not be in accord with his will. So these verses, while they do not directly talk about healing, they do illustrate that principle that sometimes what we think may bring glory to God may not be His will in that situation. And we should recognize that we don't know everything about God's plan. We need to walk by the Spirit and to follow where He leads. I mean, he, preaching the gospel in an area seems to be the, the greatest thing we could do to glorify Christ. But the Holy Spirit forbade Paul and Silas from preaching in a particular region. It wasn't that it was a wrong activity, but it just wasn't his will for that to happen in that place at that time. He, his will was to direct Paul and Silas to somewhere else. And um, uh, I had this written down here. But uh, yeah, and so the, the, there is an example of some verses where we do speak, it does speak about healing in God. What? Someone has been praying for and God choosing not to heal for a greater purpose of glorifying Christ. In 2 Corinthians 12, uh, talking about Paul again, he had this vision that was an incredible vision. He was caught up to the, caught up to the third heaven. He heard, he heard things that a man is not allowed to speak. Excuse me. It was just an amazing uh, a vision that he had. But because of that, uh, we, we read this beginning in verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the visions, 
For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was urged, was imploring the Lord multiple times on this. It wasn't just a quick, okay, Lord, it would be kind of nice if this would be taken away. It was an earnest prayer that he prayed multiple times, seeking the Lord, Lord, remove this from me. And it wasn't God's will to heal him from that, whatever that was. Um, we can speculate about what specifically that thorn in the flesh was. But it was something, seemingly a physical difficulty that he had, that it was not God's will to heal him of. But God did have a plan. He wasn't going to leave Paul. But through Paul's weakness and struggle with that, the Lord Jesus was able to demonstrate and and to demonstrate his power. And Paul was able to point people to the Lord Jesus through that struggle. That he would rather boast about his weaknesses, his difficulties, the, the struggles that he faced, so that Christ would be honored, that Christ would be exalted. And this helps us to understand that no matter what we go through, that the Lord Jesus has a plan. He can be trusted. His way is best. And whether that means that the difficulty is resolved and taken care of, uh, even if it's not as miraculously uh, taken care of as it was with Lazarus, or whether he just gives us the grace to walk through that trial, he can be trusted that his plan is best. It's best for his glory and it's best for his children. And that we... um, Know that He is in control and He is going to be with us no matter what we go through. And that He has the power to use whatever trial we face for good. This is why James talks about uh, talks about we should even rejoice in trials. Not that the trial itself is good, but we look at what God can do through that uh, in us as we lean on Jesus. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4 that say this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect uh, result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. As we talked about how we use, uh, God can use these trials to create good in us as we grow in Christ and as he, we mature in Him, as we rest and, and lean upon the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what we go through. That we need to depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ in the times that are easy and the times that are difficult. But He can be trusted. That we can lean upon Him. We can walk in, in His strength. That and we can recognize that, yes, He has allowed difficulties. The trials may not be caused by Him. That He ha- He allows a lot of what we a lot of what we face is what He has allowed in our lives. He hasn't caused it directly, but He's permitted it. But He has a plan. And through those trials, he is drawing us closer to himself. And we can trust that in the moment of darkness, we may not see how he's doing that. We may not understand why he's allowed it or what we may not be able to see what good he could possibly do with the situation. But we can trust that this has not happened by accident in the sense that it slipped past God and he just uh, didn't see it coming. He has a perfect plan. And what he permits, he permits purposefully. 
we can rest in that knowing that he can be trusted in everything. And so I just want to encourage you that no matter what type of trial you may be facing, um, whether it's a, maybe a short-term one or maybe it's a long-term one, maybe it's one that you don't even see the way through, but recognize that Jesus can be trusted. He, he loves you and he's not going to forsake his children no matter what. We may not always feel his presence close in that you know, way that we can sense per se, but we can rest by faith knowing that he is with us and we acknowledge by the word that is always true that as we cling to Christ, he is going to produce good in it and we can trust him to fulfill his good work. So those are just some thoughts about um, trials and sufferings, things I um, the Lord impressed upon my heart as I was reading through John recently and looking at John chapter 11. That's John, the, the gospel according to John is, is a gospel I come back to a lot and there's so much in there that's so vivid in the in as we read through these different narrative passages and the other gospels do as well but uh, i find myself drawn a lot of times to the gospel of john and wanted to share that so uh, looking forward to some other things i've been studying uh recently over the past few months uh thinking probably in the next episode when we start talking about some more stuff with music uh we'll look at um maybe not in some, some specifics but some, some things from scripture um that maybe we ha- that i hadn't thought of asking before but as I've studied scripture, scripture looking for what does God say about music, some things have been um, surprising or, or caused me to, to pause and to consider. So looking forward to getting into those with, with you in the next a few weeks. But until next time, uh, read the word and take your stand. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope it was an encouragement and a blessing. To find out more information about Here I Stand Ministries, check out hisministries.com. Scripture quotations are from the NASV, the New American Standard Bible, copyright 1971-1995 by the Lockman Foundation, used by permission, all rights reserved.